welcome to Alvarado on Mac Show, the podcast that's all about Mac football and not Mac football. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for joining me today on this beautiful, if you're listening live, Cinco de Mayo. The day of my people. I mean, it's all my people. I'm a mixed kid. Uh, there's 120, kid, 120 kids. There's no kids. There's 120 days until kickoff. I'm ready for I'm ready for football season. I'm just ready. Like the draft happened, that means I'm just I'm just ready for it. I can't handle these next uh, four or five months. I can't handle it. Nope, can't do it. Light episode though. Light episode this Wednesday. Got a couple of big things. Uh, not as big as last week where there. Oh, bad news there. Obviously, Lance Leipold is in Kansas, which means you know a lot of things. Obviously, the Buffalo stuff. You know, Buffalo's got to replace him somehow. Uh, they also got to figure out a way to replace some of the starters that have hit the transfer portal to what I assume follow Lance Leipold, follow one of the seven assistant coaches that I believe is to believed that he's taking with them. A uh, few guys in the transfer portal we got to touch on. And because there's some more news because football is just so big, uh, some news happened before the draft but like a week before the draft, which is a well-timed thing because they knew that we couldn't touch that topic on this podcast until well after the draft. Good job, you guys in the NCAA for talking about, hey, we're actually going to expand the playoff, but we don't know how big. That changes the topics from like like the court of public opinion, philosophizing things to the NCAA, to the people that matter. Should we expand the playoff? Should we, should we, should we? Well, the answer, it's should we or shouldn't we? It doesn't matter anymore because the answer to that is we're gonna, but to what end? I also told you that we're going to hit on some undrafted free agents in the last episode. So I'm just going to run down that list really quickly before we hit the portal. Uh, we know the four Mac guys that got drafted over the weekend, D. Eskridge to Seattle, Malcolm Koontz to the Raiders. Jalen Moore to the Niners and Tommy Doyle to Buffalo. I still haven't seen him drop any elbows through a table. So uh, Tommy Doyle, you're still on watch until I see otherwise. I didn't touch any undrafted free agents in the last episode. I kind of wanted to see who would get some camp invites, who wouldn't get camp invites. And it's more the latter, but some of the guys that have signed Coyote Awosuka, Awosika, I can never say his fucking name. Coyote Awosika, left tackle from Buffalo. He signed with Philly. Caleb Huntley running back from Ball State who had a thousand yard season as a freshman. I believe he had it as a freshman and a junior um, signed with Atlanta. Isaiah McCoy who left early after three seasons as a receiver for Kent State, which hardly ever happens. He signed with Buffalo. Antonio Nunn receiver at Buffalo. He signed with Atlanta. Jarrett Patterson. He signed with the team that's about 10, 15 minutes away from his hometown. Uh, he's with the Washington football team players. Antonio Phillips and Manny Ragumba, two cornerbacks. They signed with a couple of Ohio-based teams, Cincinnati for Phillips, Ragumba's a Brown. A lot of the other guys, Anton Davis, you know, I kind of thought he, at this point, maybe would get like some sort of camp invite. Nothing for him yet. Bryson Denley played faster than what he graded out to be. Nothing for him so far. Brett Cottrell, a center for Ohio, nothing for him yet. Uh, I'm not really expecting much to happen for Shaquille Seymour, for Tim Tanner Blair, for Ray Thomas Ishman or Tyree Thompson. 
Uh, the one quarterback we'll circle on very, very quickly, David Moore. I don't expect much out of him either. Uh, Daniel Crawford, though, tight end for NIU. He's been invited to the Jets. And that's about it. That's about it as of uh, as of right now that you're listening to it. So, but as more updates come for these guys and other Matt grads from years past to either keep their job or get jobs on NFL rosters for their very first time, for their path to get onto the 53 man, uh, you know, I'll follow along with that as much as I can. Make sure you're subscribed to my Patreon because I'm going to include a bunch of this information in the notes. You just heard me rattle off a bunch of names and players and teams all in a row. Uh, I'm not going to keep trying to do that. I would like to keep a lot of that in the notes for you to just fucking read. So, uh, you know, sign up for the sign up for the Patreon system. Get some nice detailed notes. Uh, it's a nice one-two punch to uh, to read while you listen to this podcast. Hey, speaking of listing players, uh, here's three players that hit the transfer portal on Tuesday from Buffalo. Defensive tackle Eddie Wilson, center Mike Nowitzki, and another center, Tyrese Woods. They're, for the most part, really young guys, right? Eddie Wilson, I think, has had the most experience. He's been a two-year starter, uh, defensive tackle. I mean, him and Mike Nowitzki, I guess they're about the same. They've both been full-year starters the last couple of years. They both got some pretty early playing time in 2018. Tyrese Woods, he's just simply not as old as the other guys by like a year. But like them, he was mostly a starter last year as a redshirt freshman. And he found his way playing a lot of games and starting once as a true freshman in his own right. So they're guys that have positions along the trenches, have early playing time and has shown themselves you know, that, you know, they're pretty good. Uh, Nowitzki, I, I don't have like stats like I would for defensive players, right? But Nowitzki for himself, PFF says that he's doing a really good job for himself, uh, has like an 88.3 grade on offense. Uh, that's like a B plus, right, Scott? Like, I think that's a B plus. I would put that in the B plus category. Uh, run blocking, he's an 86.5. Is that just a B or a B plus? I think if you round up, it still doesn't matter. It still doesn't be easy. And pass block, that's a D plus at 69, which is nice. So I don't know how to how to present that. But he, all, he was also in a system that, I'll say it a thousand times more, just didn't pass the ball a lot. So don't really know too much in him. But he's so young, you know, he's a two-year starter. But, what you, but something that uh, you had brought up to me earlier before we started recording, Scott, I mean, these guys, like – we all expect players to leave after a head coach leaves, right? Like that's just kind of the norm, but the new norm that they can have, if they are indeed, you know, going to Kansas and following their head coach and other assistants, they're going to be able to play right away. And not just as grad transfers, which is normally what you'd have to wait for. You'd have to wait to be a graduate transfer to have immediate eligibility uh, because of changes with the NCAA and how they view transfers, they can play right away. Uh, I mean, generally, like, Scott, like, what do you think like that, like, kind of like adds to a program or like, how do you think like that could like help speed things up for Lance Leipold, who already has like a proven track record of picking up somewhere else new and just doing well, maybe not always in the win column, like Buffalo is hard to win right away, but like, how do you think that'll help him kind of fill the vision at Kansas 
when he's able to bring those assistants and these three starters if they do go there. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like that's something that could work really well for him. I mean, he could obviously – he doesn't need the most talented players to transfer with him from Buffalo. He just needs guys that are either leaders that or – work as hard. Yeah, that work hard, that are leaders, that know the system. They can come in, kind of fill ranks with everyone else and then kind of speed things along for everybody else as well. So I think it's going to be very interesting because this is the first coach that I think has transferred – or not transferred, has gotten a new job since the new rule has come in place. So it's going to yeah. be super interesting Good to see like if there's going to be a lot of Buffalo to Kansas transfers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like these guys, and uh, I meant to look it up before the show, but I'm not a smart person. Um, I believe like there's a deadline for this, right? Like you, these guys aren't going to be able to transfer like August 16th from Buffalo and be able to start at Kansas, you know, two weeks later. Like I think the cutoff is June 1st before they're immediately eligible to play. Otherwise, I think like, if you're, I see you're looking it up, I'm gonna wait a second, but I think that is, I think that is the case though. I see here it says they need to let the school know by May 1st. May 1st, okay. Yeah, so it says, I'll read word for word. The NCAA's new transfer rules will require players in fall and winter sports to notify their current schools they intend to leave by May 1st. Spring sport athletes must do so by July 1st, starting in 2022. Okay. So, yeah. But either way, I mean, like, if these guys go to Kansas, I mean, even if, like, whatever, like, even if, like, they're immediately eligible to play or even if they have to, like, work their way into, like, the starting rotation again because, like, they haven't proven anything at this level, right? They prove themselves at the MAC level. They haven't proved themselves against – guys that have been like competing and recruited against big 12 talents and all that stuff. Um, but even if then they can still come in and be like, yo, my name's Eddie. I found my way into the starting lineup as a freshman. Hey, I'm Mike. I found my way into the starting position as like one of the most important positions along the offensive line at center uh, early on and, you know, started as a retro freshman. Hey, I'm Tyrese Woods. Same deal. I got early playing time. You know, Lance is going to have to recruit guys to, come in and play right away at that level. Those guys are living proof that Lance isn't BSing. Like when he identifies talent and he likes me or he likes you, he's honest about it. Like you're going to play if you, if he likes you, like he says he does. And if you work to the degree that you promise that you're going to, you know, compete and come to practice with every day. So I think, you know, not only like having talented players transfer is one thing, right? And it's, it's great when it's great, but having guys that can, you know, reach out to potential recruits that are coming to Kansas, which has a whole cool vibe. Like it's a different, cool, new vibe hiring Lance than it was less. Right. Cause like less is like, Oh yeah, he's already had the national championship, but like, it's just, it's just weird at the same time. Lance, it feels more right. Like it feels like, no, this is, this is the freaking answer. Right. Like Lance would have felt like the answer with or without less doing whatever less had to do at LSU, right? Like this is a great hire for a lot of good reasons. And this, if those guys do follow him, if more guys follow him, it's going to be great reasons for that. And it's going to help out with the communication amongst players and the coaching staff and all that. And it's just going to go a long ways more than the on-field product, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. And if it's going to help out in recruiting, that's how it's going to help out. 
by those guys being honest with other high school guys that are looking at Kansas and saying, am I actually going to play right away? Or is he BSing me? No, if he likes you and you're going to, if you're going to compete right away, he's going to find the best 11 and put them on the field. Cause that's the best formula for football games, especially when your 11 are better than the other 11. But still, it's going to be a long time before Kansas 11 is better than most other 11s they find. Unfortunately, that will always be the way the story ends. The playoff is growing. The, the NCAA, they put out a press release a few weeks ago. It, listen, just go, go listen to like the national media if you want like all the detail of that, because I'm not going to remember all the names that's in these working groups. But uh, the long and the short of it is this. The NCAA has one of their many working groups looking at expanding the playoffs specifically. And they've gone out of their way to tell you that it is growing to eh, a bunch of potential ranges of playoff expansions. Right now, obviously, we know what's four. I'm not going to say whether I like the four or hate the four, right? But they're looking at growing from four to six or four to eight or four to 10 or four to 12 or four to 16. It doesn't matter if like, like there's, I did kind of talk about it off the top. Like there is some sort of philosophizing going on of like, should it grow? Obviously the answer is yes, but now it's to what end, you know, four didn't seem like enough for whatever reason. It's not that like, all right, Scott, let's, let's just start with you, man. Like four teams. Do you like watching a four team playoff? Like who cares about expanding it? Do you like that you've been given a four team playoff and the product that you've been given for the three game days, three specific game days out of the last, what, how long has it been? Seven years, six years? It's 2014. Yeah. Um, no. No? What's wrong with it? That's just not enough teams. I think, like, I don't know. It's because the solution before was a two-team playoff. <laughs> I don't think jumping up to four-team was really that great of a mm -hmm. jump. Yeah, I mean, because, like, when people ask, like, what you like, what you dislike out of it, and the way you answer it, it's always like, it's always a weird train of thought every time you answer it. Like, is it enough teams? Yes or no? Okay, why isn't it enough teams? Why is it too many teams? You know, you could, to some degree, and there's, I guess, a good enough sizable argument for it. Uh, four teams might be just perfect. Uh, I mean, just based off, like, every once in a while, you see semifinal games, at least one of them's good. Uh, the other one sucks. And that's kind of the way it's been the last couple of years. Uh, if you're small enough and say like, oh, that's good enough to know, like we don't have to expand past that, you know, that's one thing. Um, but eight teams, but, but like the whole year building up to four, it kind of grows, makes the sport stale, makes the sport us, make us only talk about what Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and fill in the blank for the other ones. Uh, there's no real room for 130 FBS teams to make the playoff. And yes, it's been coming, become an invitational. Uh, I still think that's going to be the way with like eight, 
still think that's going to be the way with 10. We know the playoffs can expand, but where, where should we start drawing the line and why should we like start finding places to draw lines? Well, I just think from a D5 standpoint, if you do anything less than 16, uh, it's just not a fair chance for the entire NCAA Division One FBS. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just that what it needs to expand to, like if you see all the other levels of football, they have a system that allows all conferences to come in. You see the NCAA March Madness Tournament allows every conference winner to be able to go on and play in the tournament. So I think to have this be the only level of any sport pretty much worldwide <laughs> that doesn't let the lower teams in the same division have a chance at the playoff is kind of ridiculous. So like, it's not going to be March Madness. Like, we're not going to have a field of 64 football teams out there trying to win this thing because that's just too damn wide. The sport's too damn long. Basketball, you can play, you know, three, four games a week if you wanted to. You can't, you can't get away with that in football. Like, you can't cram in a wide playoff in, like, a short amount of time. So there is some sort of balance, like, these people do have to figure out. I don't know how much the playoff needs – a whole bunch of group of fives in, right? I think, like, I understand that there is a serious systemic disadvantage to the Toledos, to the Boise's, to all the G5s of the world, right? Like, I, I totally understand that if you're a 10 and two G5 team, if you're 11 and one, probably just tough shit to you all the time, um, unless, door like there's just another door built for them maybe if it's built to you know expanded to eight then cincinnati could get in regardless of uh g5 auto bid i think they'd get in on just resume alone maybe but i don't know maybe not i'm just too scared that like there's always too much of a system with like the the committee and how much like they don't really have to explain themselves. And when they do explain themselves, they don't have to make a total coherent sense. They might as well just play this podcast when they're asked anything, but they don't have to give great answers when they're asked reporters, like they're asked straight up, you know, why, you know, why the shame towards other schools and why are we giving preferential treatment for certain big 12 teams when other teams are beating, you know, those same big 12 teams by bigger amounts and for whatever reason are snuffed way lower in the rankings. Um, so there's always a lot of stupid politicking that goes on that doesn't have to make sense to the public, but the people that make the decisions make the decisions anyway, so it doesn't fucking matter. If I'm a G5 team and I'm looking for more entryways in though, I am pushing for 16. And I am saying like, if I'm, if I'm not 16, then I will only work, like I will only advocate for 16 until then. If you say we're only having an 18 playoff, I'm just going to keep whining and saying like, well, it's not wide enough. Cause like, there's still room for more. Um, I think 16 is like the maximum I could do in all honesty. Like I've, I think I've been stupid and like not thought all the way through and said like 32 is a good number and that's fair and fun, but I feel like 16, 44, 42. What'd you say? I say 24. Cause that's what other levels. Is that what the FCS is? I think so. It's like a, 
the higher teams get like a buy in the first round. And then there's like a 24. Mm-hmm. No, hold on. 16, like regular 16 team tournament. And then finagles its way to making. Yeah, I don't think I could do 24. Like you, like I think you and I share like the same agreement where like we don't like we don't want to be told like who would win the theoretical matchup anyway. So just like let's not even waste any time. Let's just hurry up and get to the semifinal of Alabama Clemson or Alabama Ohio State first. Uh, or Alabama Notre Dame. Ugh. And you'd rather just like have that all settled on the field. And I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense because like when we say like, oh, well, let's just settle it on the field as an entry point to the playoff. Half the time that doesn't matter, which really sucks. So I don't know. I, I don't know 100% where I fall. And I don't know like 100% like, like, like where my limits are and how much I want an expanded playoff. Because if we're expanding the playoff because bowl games don't matter anyways, like I don't, I just don't think that's, that's a good way of thinking about things. I don't think, I don't know. I just, I think I just need help of figuring out like how much I want an expanded playoff because, and like I've seen in like the athletics reporting that 12 is getting a lot of support said one person in a quote. Um, But you know, all of it doesn't matter until we actually get a structure. Right. I don't know, but like what, like where, do you have like a guess on like where you think that they're going to expand things to or like what the priorities of the playoff group's going to be in trying to figure out how big of a playoff they should have? Yeah, I think it's just going to be whatever makes people the most angry. That's what they're going to end up doing. Most people angry. I think like I heard one good distinction earlier, like a lot of the reason they're expanding the playoff, like, isn't because they want more good football because they're not going to get more good football. They're just going to get more good TV. I think there is an argument that they might get more good football just because, in my opinion, just playing more games kind of like roughs another team up a little bit just to allow more fair matchup, I think, in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's a really stupid concept in my head, but <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with. Like, let's say, like, we expand things to 16 immediately. Like, and, again, there's, like, a whole bunch – there's a whole other, like, side of the whole politicking thing of, like, oh, the, the contract that ESPN has with the playoff that goes through 2025, is it even possible to get all this – you know, if anybody – if anybody important matters agrees to like expand this thing and there's like some sort of like group unanimous, like multi-group unanimous effort of an agreed upon model for an expanded college football playoff, which spoiler alert, uh, that's not going to happen. You know, how even possible will all this be within the next uh, four years? Even let's, let's pretend that for whatever reason we expanded to a 16 playoff, 16 team playoff immediately starting this year. How many years until a G5 playoff, until a G5 team makes the national championship game? Not win it, just make it. That's <laughs> um, it could be a long time. They got to get, I think they'd have to get like the right seating, the right, someone else has to get upset before. Like somehow I think like one of the top dogs like Alabama, Clemson, has to go down 
against another like P5 team. Mm -hmm. And then I think a G5 team has a chance to upset that other P5 team that took down the bigger team. Yeah, because it feels like, I mean, it feels like no matter who you are, like whether it comes into, let's just call it the final four, when you make it to the final four or even the elite eight of this damn thing, you're going to run into an Alabama. You're going to run into Georgia. You're going to run into Ohio State. You're going to run into Notre Dame. They might not win by huge, but they're, they're still better than you. Uh, you're going to run into one of these blue chip, blue bud programs that are usually juiced. And if they're in the playoff, they're probably really fucking awesome. So I get that, like having more doors to like letting you into the playoff is a great thing. And I, I, I do feel like the fairness is deserved. Like it's just college sports. Like at the end of the day, like I'm not that much of a stickler of like, you know, four is perfect. I do like the four to like many degrees, but I don't think it's perfect. And I don't think it has to be, man. Like, I don't know if a 16 team playoff does accomplish a lot of the things that we want it to accomplish or that we kind of hope it accomplishes. It does accomplish like the entertainment part. I don't think it accomplishes the quality of playoff football in college though. I just don't know how much that will improve. And that's just, honestly, that with the only way to answer that is with your own taste buds. It is what it is to that end. But could a G5 team even make it to the national championship game at 16? I keep thinking of Voise's like, what was it? A 52 and three run or some shit like that. But even like a team like that, like if, if that era of Boise State had to run through a pretend 16-team playoff today, this season, or last season, or the season before, or when Deshaun Watson was a thing, I mean, shit, I mean, good luck to you, man. Like, I, those teams are just really good. Like, the Boise States were awesome. It was nice that they beat Oklahoma when they did. I mean, I, I just, I just hope that whatever efforts that these G5s and everyone else that's advocating for advocating, advocating for them to have a quote unquote fair shot into getting their asses beat uh, by Alabama in December. You know, I hope it all pays off for them. I really do. And I hope that NIL at the time uh, hits a place where these players are getting paid big time for their playoff appearances, whether they're getting their teeth knocked out or they're scaring the pants off Georgia for a little bit. But I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, went a lot, little bit longer than I expected to, but thank you for making it through another episode of Alvarado on Maction. Again, you can check us out anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, check out our Patreon system so you can get a little extra goodies there. Going to release that Discord soon. Promise, 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 promise. But thank you again for listening. And I'll catch you on Sunday.